You are not going to believe what just happened. It is 23.50.07 on Wednesday, the 24th of February, 2021. I have just accidentally deleted the show that I've just recorded. What a complete idiot. Oh, what a way to start. I'm so sorry for myself and for you, because now I'm going to sound a little irritated for the rest of the show. I'll try not to, I'll take a deep breath, but it's a bit hard when you've just recorded 40 minutes of audio and now it's all gone, and you're caffeinated and you're tired and you're irritable, and I've got a lot of things to moan about in this show, which won't help either. Oh, anyway, welcome again to Crash. The UK Geek Podcast, episode 374. Let's launch straight into the pre-show again. The house leak is fixed, thanks to a reliable plumber. The water bill was £500 before the repair. They put a stop on the bill, the water company did and have now reduced it to £150. The moral of that story is, if your water bill is exceedingly high, get a plumber to check out your plumbing. Well, what else is he going to check out? He's a plumber. Oh, move on. The car, on the other hand, the Millennium Falcon, is still unwell, and I really don't like the garage that has most recently done work on it. Not least because there was this one really angry and scary mechanic there who drove my car straight at me on the way to the ramp with a pedal to the metal. I don't know if he was just angry with me for criticising the garage, or he got in trouble because he did shoddy work, who knows? Or if he had, for whatever bizarre reason, a more deep-seated hatred, but I am not going back there. I have a preferred list of garages, tradesmen, taxis, other stuff like that. And that particular garage is no longer on my preferred list. Some people think that pencil neck geeks are a soft touch. We are not because we have lists. Businesses should think about that if they want the geek pound. I have lists. Not just of preferred things, but of lots and lots of things, and I have used lists for a long time. It takes you back, doesn't it, to Gina Trapani's Lifehacker? Do you remember her articles about text files? Although I was using text files and bits of paper long before that, it was nice to see that other geeks had the same idea. Just bear that in mind if you're a retiring geek. You know, there has to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere. Don't get pushed around too much. If you do, take your money elsewhere. The final item in our pre-show section before we move on to the show proper is about shopping. Because there are only so many ways to make quarantine tasks less onerous. And one onerous task is shopping. 
And at the moment, I'm shopping for three people because my parents are sheltering. And the way that I amuse myself, I've mentioned this on the last episode when I was talking about Leela, a hunter-gatherer, is I pretend to be a hunter-gatherer. I pretend to be a Stone Age hunter on the plains, hunting for, well, I was joking about hunting mammoths, but I couldn't possibly hunt a mammoth. They're far too cute. But maybe hunting nuts and foraging and maybe riding a mammoth. Oh, don't get me started on riding a mammoth. Sorry, I'm getting distracted now thinking of Game of Thrones. Do you remember that whole thing? Giants riding mammoths? Man, that was cool. However, lately, let's get back on track here. (laughs) My mother, believe me, this is relevant, has been gardening. And when she does her gardening, she wears this large mushroom-shaped hat. It's very cute. Added to that, her affinity to fantasy literature. She is only 30 pages from finishing The Hobbit. She's been using the pandemic to catch up on all the reading she's wanted to do over the years, but has never had time to do. She is also reading Dune, and she's looking forward to The Lord of the Rings. So anyway, Mum likes fantasy, has a mushroom hat. I have taken to calling her the Mushroom Queen. And so, on my next trip to the shops, I will be Sir Roy on a quest for croissants and crumpets on behalf of the Mushroom Queen. Let's do the show. Again. (laughs) Let's start off with The Expanse. That is it for the current season of The Expanse, and I've got to say, it didn't really do much for the overall story. Yes, there was the Marco Inaros' spectacular space opera War. There was Naomi Nagata's gripping survival story. But both those things are completely upstaged by the giant interstellar ring gate looming over everything. It's the most important thing in the history of humanity, and they didn't really talk about it much. There was a little bit towards the end, but yeah, space war more than anything else. Not doing anything with that ring kind of sucked then, and also, man... Kaz Anvar being happy about the way his character was dealt with at the end is amazing. How did he possibly go through with that? I'm sure he had discussions with his agents, but I suppose it's pretty bad when you get cancelled. It just blows my mind that he agreed to do that scene. (laughs) I don't even know why I'm laughing. It's not great, that whole situation with him. But, yeah, they really took him out. On to the next thing that I've been watching. And that is an unofficial rewatch of Heroes. By unofficial, I mean I'm rewatching it, but outside of this item in the show, I won't be doing a show about super-powered humans. 
Given that the show is so old by now, I hardly have to issue a spoiler warning because I'm sure everyone's seen it, but in as few words as I can describe, it's about superpowered individuals and sinister conspiracies. That's not really giving much away, so it's fairly spoiler-free. It is entertaining. And I am enjoying the rewrite. I do have a few minor quibbles about the script, the way they seem to gloss over major plot points really quickly when it's more complicated to go deeper into them. You see that often in Dr. Mohinder Suresh's dialogue. And I also noticed a glaring historical error which is the sort of thing that pencil-neck annoying geeks like me do all the time. And that is, during Hiro Nakamura's quest in 1671 Japan, he is knocked to the ground and a villain steps over him in a samurai suit, but with a very modern piece of footwear, a plimsoll. Well, not that modern, but certainly more modern than 1671. I think they were invented in the UK in 1830. Why am I still talking about something so nerdy? Anyway, I jokingly pointed it out to Tim Kring on Twitter, then immediately regretted it as it sounded like a mild troll, and I deleted it. Sorry, Tim Crane. Not that he's even paying attention to my tweets, but there you are. And that is Heroes, undergoing a rewatch by myself. Let's move on to technology. The quest for a cheap PC continues. Yes, there are a lot of quests this week. It's stuck in my head. Soroy. I just imagine myself riding through the undergrowth with a bluebell on my head as a helmet on top of a beetle with a twig as a lance. Where was I? Yeah, I am on a quest for a new PC. And as part of that quest, I did recently buy a cheap PC from eBuyer with a nice AMD Ryzen 5 APU. I did manage to get it working with Windows 7, which was the plan, but there were a string of very time-consuming incompatibilities, which meant I had to send it back or waste weeks trying to figure this out. A update to that situation is that this is the second Asus motherboard I've had trouble with recently, and it's really put me off the Asus company as a whole. And I've read on the internet lots of people having problems with Asus motherboards. My specific problem, the largest one anyway, I'm not going to go into every single problem, was that it just wouldn't recognise an external USB hard drive plugged into it. It should do, but it didn't, and I couldn't figure out why. Oh yeah, and eBuyer was on my list of good suppliers, because I used to be an IT guy, so I had preferred suppliers like, uh, let's see, eBuyer, scan.co.uk, dabs.co.uk. You know the list. If you worked in IT, There are a list of preferred suppliers, and eBuyer used to be one of mine. It isn't anymore, because returning the computer, while it was easy to sort out, I had to pay for my own postage. 
which was £26. I'm not entirely happy with that. I, therefore, am still looking for a new PC, and was, until the last episode of this podcast, using my 10-year-old netbook. If you remember those, they're those tiny little laptops with multiple ports and fairly low spec. The weird thing about my Beats-branded HP netbook is that it seems to have an extraordinarily high output via its analog mic and speaker sockets, which makes it easier to record than from the Mac. In fact, the levels are so high that I had to stop using my Triton Audio Fethead mic booster. On the other hand, I think the quality of the Apple Mac Mini late 2012 in and out audio sockets are perhaps better, but I'm not sure if I'm just saying that because I'm equating Apple with high quality and my own netbook with low quality. So take what I just said with a pinch of salt. Since I seem to have a belief that the Mac is of high quality, Why don't I just upgrade and use the Mac? Because at the moment it's got 4GB of RAM, which is definitely not enough for Catalina, although it does work smoothly and I'm recording at the moment. And it also has spinning metal rather than an SSD. The reason I don't do that, and I've probably mentioned this before, is that my entire software tooling my multimedia software, my development software, my music software, my virtual synths, all that stuff is made for Windows. And that is a pity because the Mac seems undeniably more stable running its own macOS. But developing Windows programs on the Mac sucks very badly indeed. Why is it taking me so long to find a new PC? At the moment, computers are expensive and scarce. Because, due to the pandemic, factories that make components and assemble machines are understaffed. And people are buying them to work from home and for children who are not at school. That makes it not a great time to be looking for a new PC. On the other hand, when you need something, you need something. Let me tell you about the kind of systems I'm looking for. I am looking for a budget system. I am looking for a mini PC system with either the AMD Ryzen 7 4000 series or the new 5000 series and just use the integrated graphics. Or, if I can source one that is considerably cheaper, an Intel i7 NUC. Though, of course, the AMD Ryzen processors destroy Intel CPUs. I was initially against smallboard computers, but... I have developed an aversion to looming tower cases due to the lack of studio space and the noise, which is odd, because when I started thinking about getting a new PC, that's what I wanted. I wanted a giant 
alien monolith on my desk. I don't want that anymore. Not just for the reasons I just stated, but also I have a lot of stuff already on my desk. A lot of it's delicate, like hard drives, amplifiers, lots of stuff. And the last thing I want to do is have a big clunky tower right next to it to bash into things. It is nice having extra room inside the machine to get your hands in and everything, but I don't know how much tinkering I want to do anymore. I am also semi-considering laptops, but they tend to be DIY unfriendly and expensive. Yes, there is iFixit nowadays, but not everything is that easy to get to grips with. I know that the HP laptops tend to be generally, not completely, easier to do your own work on. For instance, the netbook that I mentioned before is fairly easy to take the back off. You don't even need screws. You just take the battery off and kind of fiddle with it a bit and slide the base right off and you have access to almost everything. But they are definitely not as easy to fiddle with as other systems and especially small bare bone systems that were designed to be opened easily for you to add RAM and SSDs and things like that. This item has gone on for quite a while so I will round things off by giving you a few tips. If you are also in the market for a new Windows development PC, a budget one, here are some minimum specifications. I would recommend an Intel i5 10th generation or a Ryzen 7 4000 series plus. I would recommend eight gig of RAM at least. Don't worry if it's only in one slot, you can add an 8GB RAM chip yourself later on and you get that dual channel goodness. Aim for an at least 128GB SSD. If you are developing games on a laptop, I would suggest that you get a discrete graphics card, but try and avoid if you can the budget Max-Q versions of the NVIDIA laptop graphics cards. And also make sure your display is at least 14 inches plus with a resolution of 1080p, that's full HD, and at least 300 nits of lighting. You can get cheaper laptops that look attractive on paper, but when you have a look at the lighting values, they tend to be low and the screens dim, and you do not want that if you're working on it for hours and hours. Let's move on to something else now, and that is to do with MP3 editors. I mentioned I used the MP3 editor called MP3 Tag. It's a very popular one, lots of people use it, and it is a vital part of my podcast producing workflow. Because I'm temporarily on the Mac, I had to resort unsatisfactorily to KID 3, although 
MP3 tag has recently become available on the Mac, it is unfortunately no longer free. I did find another tag editor by a company called um, Video Limited, called Tag Editor, which turned out to be nagware, and not as great as I thought, so I'm still aiming to return to the free MP3 tag once I have completed the quest for a new PC. Sorry, I'm really into saying that now. A quest. It just makes me feel so knightly and chivalrous. Next, a program called Uber6. I'm going to have to spell this because I've almost certainly pronounced that incorrectly. I apologise to my German listeners. Ubersicht. U-B-E-R-S-I-C-H-T. Ubersic for Mac is like Conky for Linux or Rainmeter for Windows. It allows you to put widgets on your desktop, and many of them are transparent, and it's really nice to have stuff to make your life easier. For example, since I have been Mac-bound, I have been playing with it, and I've installed a system monitor widget, an international clock, and a calendar. I have also learned to customise things like positioning on the screen, and also what data they output, and the format in which they output that data, by editing a few bits of CSS and some shell script, which all sounds complicated, and perhaps I'm underestimating how techy and geeky my listeners are, but for me it was fairly easy to fiddle with. And that's my recommended software of the week. Not that I've ever had a recommended software of the week segment, but today this is it, and that's Ubersicht. Finally, in the tech section, let's talk about Google. The Guardian reported on Saturday more firings from their ethics board. That followed the dismissal of Timnit Gebru back in December. In the article, it says that Google have now fired a person called Margaret Mitchell. Google told The Guardian, After conducting a review of this manager's conduct, we confirmed that there were multiple violations of our code of conduct. Let me translate that for you as a technology columnist, not a technology journalist. My translation of that ridiculous Google statement is, we have found a lame legal loophole to fire Margaret Mitchell. Apparently what happened was Margaret Mitchell did some digging into why her colleague was dismissed, and Google used that as a pretext to fire her. Social media has really not done so greatly for us, has it? (laughs) Facebook, Google, man, what has Google even produced? They have that whole thing about Google Labs, and they think they're a kind of skunk works. But, realistically speaking, what have they come up with? 
Google Search and Mail. And that's it. Yeah, there's Google Docs, but I do not like Google Docs. And by the way, if you're listening, that guy who I want to name but I can't because that would be weird and bullying, has still let me have access to his documents. Please take them away. I am sick of reading your documents. You don't want me to see your stuff, do you? Man, Google. I, I can feel it. I can feel the fury boiling up inside me. It's boiling, man. It's boiling. And the caffeine and the tiredness and the double recording is not helping. Nothing in the creative section this week, thank God. Let's move into the after show section. First of all, I just want to say bugger Peloton? Bugger racing bikes? I was going to prefix the next thing that you should bugger with the word bugger, but that is entirely inappropriate. So I'll say, dismiss from your mind old men with saggy bottoms in lycra. For me, bicycles are American 50s style cruiser bikes, the type you'd see on beaches in California. Although I have owned many different bikes over the years, my first bike was a little tricycle my uncle bought me, then I had a rally chipper. Why in God's name didn't I go for the chopper? Because they're worth a fortune and they're much cooler than the chipper, but I had a chipper. And then I had a rally Europa made of high tensile steel. It was diabolical. And then when I had my first proper paying job, I bought myself a Cannondale mountain bike. And I've had other mountain bikes and numerous other bikes over the years. But the type of bike that I always come back to is the American 50s style cruiser with the cantilever frame and the swoopy lines. They're just so cool, so comfortable, so enjoyable to ride. That era of America also produced cars with fins. The Fender Stratocaster. I'm looking at one, well, a cheaper one, a Squire Bullet Stratocaster, uh, about a metre away from me. I love that whole design aesthetic. I am getting to the point. Earlier today, my external portable USB 3 Seagate hard drive suddenly, for no apparent reason, ejected. And to calm down my frustration with the computer, I took a leisurely ride on my bike. I got some sweat going, I got my heart beating, felt like I was going to die, but I had a ride, it doesn't sound that leisurely when I put it that way, but I am very unfit. Ordinarily, for a man of normal fitness, a person of normal fitness, this would not be a problem, this would be an entirely enjoyable ride without breaking a sweat, but for me, I sweated a little, it didn't spoil my enjoyment. On my return... When the blood rushed to my brain, sweat soaked through my clothes and all over my back. What a entirely unappealing image that is. And endorphins took me to another plane of existence. I'm actually throwing shapes with my hands as I say that. <laughs> I realised that it probably wasn't the fault of my Mac Mini 
or my Seagate Drive, it was most probably the crappy Amazon Basics USB 3 hub that it was plugged into. And that hub is, in any case, slowly dying. One of the ports doesn't work. I've rambled on to a point where I don't know where I'm going with this, but anyway, the bike ride. And I've also brought USB hubs into it. And permit me to glance briefly at my show notes and try and work out how to dig myself out of this. Oh yeah, okay, let's end this now. About that bike ride, you are going to have to take my word that I actually rode my bike because I can't send you a screenshot of Google Fit because the amazing Google Fit app still cannot understand bicycles. I've had no end of problems with Google Fit. This is just the latest. You would have thought that with all those Google-branded bikes at the Googleplex in Mountain View, California, it is California, isn't it? It sounds like California. They would be able to get an app to recognize when I'm riding a bike. They say that it all works automatically. It does not. None of my recent bike rides seem to have registered with the app. Google, again, you suck. That is it for the after show section. Let me have a sip of my drink. I really need a sip. Frankly, I need a litre of Cuba Libra. And I could make it right now. And get blisteringly drunk, but unfortunately I have to go on my nightly quest to the supermarket in a few hours, so I won't be doing that. That is it for the second recording of this show. Thank God. I make the show that you've just listened to. I am Roy Martha. I'm a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. If you would like to help me, please review and rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. As ever, recommend this show to a friend or a mortal enemy. That could work too. If you really hate this show, recommend it to someone you don't like. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Particularly the support link. That would help a lot at the moment. That is it. You are listening to Crash the UK Geek Podcast. Or its full and embarrassing title, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. Is that title long enough? This was episode 374, recorded on Wednesday the 24th of February 2021, but ending due to complete incompetence and not having a secondary backup recording device on Thursday the 25th of February 2021 at 002915. Thanks for listening again. And bye bye for now. Bye.